Hey, I'm Samian. Hey, I'm Jamal. We're from Voltaire. And you're listening to Milk on Coinspice. This is the best crypto podcast around. What is really going on, crypto savages? This is C. Edward Kelso, editor-in-chief out at Coinspice.io, here with another episode of Milk Soothing Crypto's Burn. We're into season two now. This is the second episode, and I wanted to tackle the issue, and it's an ongoing, so I'm going to revisit it, you know, probably many, many more times beyond this, of state surveillance and what that means. Now, admittedly, that's a fucked out topic. It's been done to death, and there's hardly any, you know, real light other than, you know, pearl clutching and couch fainting and and putting on a tinfoil hat. Instead, I chose to go a slightly different route, and hook up with the managing editor of Timothy McSweeney's Quarterly Concern. It almost, you know, defies explanation. It's a literary magazine, uh, kind of a hipster publishing house, uh, been around for 20 years, uh, they've got uh, uh, kind of a humor uh, website called uh, McSweeney's Internet Tendency. Uh, it's, it, again, very difficult to describe, and that's part of the reason that I love it so much. But they have come out with their 54th issue um, this year, uh, November, I believe, 2018. They released it called The End of Trust. And they brought together 30 different writers uh, to discuss, for the first time, nonfiction. So uh, kind of shying away from the creative writing aspect and getting more into uh, technology and what it means to be a person in the in the 21st century grappling with all this new technology and the ever-encroaching state. Again, it's, it's not a topic that that hasn't been done, but they approach it in a, in a very, very different way, and I really love what they've done with it, uh, as, uh, as hopefully you, you, will, uh, you will hear. On purpose, I chose to interview their, their, one of their curators, uh, their main curator, who, who is uh, managing editor Claire Boyle. Uh, she's not a techie. She, you know, I could have, because they, they collabed with uh, EFF, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, I could have easily just gotten somebody from them, and, you know, we sort of done the usual presentation in the usual way. Um, Claire Boyle is not a techie. She is a literary person, and she's along for the ride with her readers, which I think makes it super insightful for reasons uh, I hope you will, you, will, you will listen to here. And if you listen long enough, you will get a way to actually read the, uh, the issue without having to clunk down uh, some, uh, some Bitcoin cash or some shekels uh, for it right away. But I, you know, after <laughs> once you get into it, you kind of see what McSweeney's is and how they present things, you're, you're, you're going to want to buy it, I'm telling you right now. And you're going to thank me for it. So anyway, without any further ado, here is Claire Boyle, managing editor of Timothy McSweeney's Quarterly Concern, and we're discussing the surveillance state. Cool, cool. And, you know, I know you guys as sort of the Dave Eggers project. Um, in my uh, travels, he was kind of a boy wonder, um, all grown up, and uh, did his thing now with a publishing platform. Um, that's morphed into kind of a, a tastemaker. And um, again, I've known it as, as fiction, 
you right. guys have mm-hmm. kind of turned a corner this this uh, issue with uh, the the quarterly uh, called the end of trust. What uh, what what changed? Yeah, um, so we are most known for being a fiction journal, um, and we did we called a little audible on this one, and um, this is our first ever entirely nonfiction issue, um, which was a pretty daunting project to take on. Um, as you know, we we occasionally will have a nonfiction piece here or there in the issues, um, and we actually used to publish an entirely nonfiction journal called The Believer, which has since moved on from our um, from our nest. But uh, the quarterly has never tried something like this before. Um, but it was definitely a project that Dave Eggers brought to us and said, um, you know. I've been wanting to do this for a while. It's going to be named end of trust. It's going to be about surveillance. Take it away. Um, and he's definitely <laughs> someone who, you know, has been interested in these kind of topics. He wrote the book, the circle, um, which is uh, very much focused on, you know, the tech industry and surveillance and, um, you know, the rights that they're asking of us in order to participate in their platforms and these kinds of things. So he's, um, he's been interested in his own, projects in these kinds of issues and I think he saw this as the right moment to marry it with the work that we're doing with the quarterly um, but yeah it, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah it is just definitely a very um, it was a new project for all of us so um, I think it, the nice thing about that is we had no preconceived notions about how to publish this mm-hmm. kind of fiction so we kind of uh, from the seat of our pants, made it up, and hopefully did something a little bit surprising and new. Um, yeah, I've, I've really, really, really enjoyed it. Now, I'm, I'm a fan from uh, kind of way back. Now, people who don't know, McSweeney's has been around in one incarnation or another for 20 years. Yeah, and, this is our 20th yeah. anniversary. Yeah, so this one, I think, I was super attracted to it because, because of, again, your past being you know, mostly uh, fiction-based. Mm-hmm. And humor based on online with uh, McSweeney's.net, uh, mm-hmm. um, kind of like a, a more literary, hipper onion. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, uh, this issue, I think you, hit, you guys just hit it out of the park. Um, is, would, it be, would it be fair to describe, if, if I had to label it in terms of a worldview, to be... Um, kind of American progressive, would, would that be fair? Sure. Okay. Sure. <laughs> now, <laughs> I, I've had a beef with you all uh, since the Obama administration where, uh, again, I'm lumping everybody in here and I'm making wildly general uh, uh, accusations here. So uh, uh-huh. feel Let's free to do push it. back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with, the, with the Obama administration where I saw, at least from the outside, American progressives just kind of go, well, he's so cool. He has an iPod. And um, he's really nice. So the fact that he's bombing, you know, children in, in uh, Southwest Asia is, is not a big deal because he's not George Bush and he's not Hitler. And he's mm-hmm. really cool. And mm-hmm. so they kind of left the scene. And this guy went after the Snowdens, who's in your issue. This guy went after um, uh, many, you know, uh, whistleblowers. And uh, notoriously, his staff wanted to go ahead and kill Julian Assange uh, on, the, on the DL. So... It's interesting to see progressives now in the era of Trump, and I don't know if it was a conscious uh, decision. And again, it's, it's unfair that I'm lumping you guys into this box, but just to kind of get the juices flowing here a little bit. Um, 
I like the fact that progressives are returning to the lovable progressives that I knew of your, <laughs> which is questioning the state again, you know, looking more um, critically at what technology has become. Um, geez, I should have a question at the end of this. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the Kelso monologue here. Um, so is, I think the tone seems to be not anti-government, but very skeptical of the state. Yeah, definitely skeptical. Um, and I think, you know, I mean, it's called the end of trust. Um, and I think for that reason, trust is a really big, you know, central focus of this. And it's a matter of, um, you know, questioning the trust that we've put in all powerful groups, be it, you know, tech companies or governments or, you know, um, law enforcement or whatever it may be uh, that we've kind of taken for granted for so long um, and, and, you know, examine what happens when we, when we outsource our trust in that way. Um, so I think that like skepticism and asking questions uh, is definitely very much at the root of this collection. Yeah. And uh, Eggers uh, came into my orbit with Zaytun. Uh, have you, have mm -hmm. you, read that or familiar with it or i read zaytun oh so many years ago but yes it's, i read it <laughs> it's a, for for listeners who aren't familiar eggers is just crazy great writer i think that's pretty much the universal mathematical objective uh, evaluation of that guy he's an mm. unbelievable writer but zaytun is lesser known at the time it got some some um some buzz through uh, the, the katrina aftermath he basically follows the life of a guy who is essentially arrested uh, for helping and, and in the heat of, or in the wake of uh, uh, some of the post 9-11 hysteria. Um, he's kind of, it's, it's just an interesting book, but that's where I found Eggers. He'd written, uh, he's, well, he's been all over the place, but um, he'd written um, uh, skeptically before about government, but this was, it was almost a manifesto. Like at the, I, I gave it to a bunch of people who aren't normally known for their skepticism and they just don't consider it. Like if government is mm -hmm. like nature and, you know, just sort of a part of their everyday lives, they don't really sure. think about it one way or the other. But when I gave them Zaytun, they were like, okay, this is your cranky paleo libertarian anti authoritarian I'm like, no, no, that, that guy's not that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I think he's coming back with, with this project. And he's, he's kind of, um, you guys have, have brought forward um, this vision where people really need to consider their relationship to government through, like you say, corporations and technology and so on. And you partnered with the Electronic uh, Frontier Foundation, right? Yeah, we did, um, which was kind of, uh, you know, the central, the thing that kept this thing um, made this thing what it was like this this book would not have happened with them without them um and it if it did happen without them it shouldn't have had um because you know we we kind of we were in the imagining phases for a couple of months with this um and i think first we just reached out to cory doctorow who was um an author he wrote a nonfiction book under McSweeney's called information doesn't want to be free about copyright law. So we reached out to yeah. him and kind of got like the start, the engines rolling and um, got some advice from him. And then I just one day, you know, said we got to bring someone on board for this. We got 
we have to have some experts. So we let them do what they do best. And we did what we did best, which I think is really what our goal was with this collection, which was we know how to tell stories. We know how to make beautiful books. We know how uh -huh. to, you know, bring different writers and artists together. And we have this audience um, and, and EFF, you know, brought everything else. They are so smart and, um, and they made sure they, they reviewed every single piece. Um, we, you know, talked about contributors at the beginning and we talked, I probably talked every day to them as this process was going on. Um, so, so this was definitely, this could not have existed without them. And it, it really shows because this is a literate book in the, in the sense that I need it to be as someone involved in, in, in tech and, and the tech space and overly concerned and paranoid and tinfoiled hat, I need to be convinced that you guys have a fastball. And so this, this is that. So not only is it literate, but it's literary. So that's, that's a dichotomy in our space. We have, um, for lack of a better phrase, really shitty writers <laughs> who just kind of just, it's just very medicinal. There's no poetry. It's just kind of, you know, here it is and whatever, or it's, or it's straight polemics. What I love about this collection is that you go into and you get Snowden to kind of let his hair down a little bit um, in that, uh, in that, it's actually an interview, right? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have any juicy tidbits about, uh, about getting Snowden involved? I got no juicy tidbits for you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> hey. um, no. Yeah. I, I actually uh, reached out. Well, I, I, uh, Twitter, I'm not even going to use the right term, Twitter direct messaged, is that how you say it? Okay, sure. Edward Snowden, like, <laughs> just saying, hey, dude, anyway, you want to be a part of this? Um, and that is not how I got him into this collection. Oh, I was going to say, wow, <laughs> he responded. Yeah, no. No. Um, but so I kind of, I reached out to Ben Wisner, who's the, um, who's his attorney at the ACLU, who's the one who interviews him in this, in this piece, just seeing if he wanted to you know, contribute in any, to any extent. And he was actually the one who suggested that he do something in conversation with Snowden. So it was just a really happy, you know, uh, fate brought him to us in that way. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate the conversation between the two of them because I think it's also kind of representative of the collection as a whole. So Ben Wisner is talking to him in that piece um, as a very much blockchain illiterate uh, already um, asking him to explain blockchain to him. So it's kind of like uh, merging, you know, experts and people who want to learn and, and bringing kind of this, what seems like very intimidating and daunting material to a larger audience. Um, so, so yeah, I, I hope that that piece is kind of representative as a whole of the, the kind of project that, that we wanted this this collection to be it's it's badass it's really really good and um the the tete-a-tete -tete between the two of them mm -hmm. um the, the 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 rapport they have it makes a a nice um there's a nice sort of gate to it as you're reading um there's it doesn't get you know saddled with techno babble and silly highfalutin philosophy it's it's an attorney and, and an attorney of some note who you know mm -hmm you would have to at least think the guy's got at least a little bit of a brain and he is kind of like, okay, what the hell is this? 
And right. Sedona, and, mm-hmm. so, yeah, so I'm sorry, go, go ahead, you were going to say? I was just going to say, I found that even for myself, who is similarly entirely illiterate about these, uh, you know, blockchain specificities, but I felt it really welcoming and comforting to know, you know, like this brilliant ACLU attorney, it, you know, we're all just trying to figure it out together. I, I found, yeah, so hopefully, and I think that I agree with what you're saying, that their relationship is really sweet throughout. Uh-huh. I mean, it was yeah. my favorite part as a literary type person, sure. speaking that relationship. Um, yeah, I love, there's a line where um, Ben talks about them getting together over vodka for Ben and milkshakes for Snowden. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's, it's, it's a fantastic interview. And for our, uh, uh, for my listeners, um, Snowden kind of gives a what's for, he gets, he gets polemical to, I think the average reader, they wouldn't really find it. Um, but, uh, he talks some smack about Bitcoin and, mm-hmm. uh, he says that there's, you know, this and that. And so it's really, it's really great. There's a lot to grapple with and a lot of meat on that bone. Um, you guys branch out to the larger picture, uh, which Snowden is intimately familiar with, which is the surveillance state, which mm-hmm. corporations are, again, this kind of depends on your worldview, <clears throat> but corporations in our view, and I'm again, not speaking for anybody, um, but I'm <laughs> going to say it anyway, but in our view, um, it's, it's corporations who capture and kind of wield machinations of the state. And if, you know, that's sort of the evil that we kind of underlie, we see underlying everything, sort of undergirding everything. Um, so the, the, the surveillance state, whether it's done privately um, or uh, uh, publicly through government or some combination thereof is, is, is a super hot topic. I mean, it has been for a while, but mm-hmm. it's crazy how your November, I mean, I'm sure it was just kind of a happenstance you needed to, final issue 54 at the end of the year but i mean you just had the uh, ceo of google testifying to congress uh, what yesterday or the day before um uh, just a couple months ago zuckerberg was grilled uh, raked over the right on um, the senate mm-hmm. um google employees are are uh, are protesting against uh, expansion in china uh the new york times just ran a huge thing on surveillance and applications so the McSweeney's quarterly is just boom, right in the pocket. You know, it's right there. It's ready. Uh, it's timely. And it's really, really, really well done. I liked that you also went into, um, and I read it sort of fast. So, and it's been a, a couple of, uh, a couple of days. So it's uh, my skeletal trace memory here, but sure. isn't there um, about the different ways that the police um, surveil people they have trouble with sort of darker persons or something? I'm Naomi Brockwell from NBTV, and you are listening to Milk from Coinspice. That was a real interesting take. <clears throat> yeah, um, the, the facial recognition software, I think is what you're, you're yes. speaking about. Um, and how it is less, it's more likely to come up with a false positive, so falsely uh, identify someone as being a criminal when they're not, um, with darker skin tones. Um, and actually, it's interesting you mentioned that because we had our release party for this issue, our re- release event on Tuesday, um, and Cindy Cohen, who's the um, executive director of EFF, was speaking about this, um, and she said, you know, she was commenting on that and how, you know, some technologists, they would say the solution to that is just, uh, you know, train it with more data for dark-skinned people. 
um, <laughs> and how I forget, I'm not going to get the story wrong. It's like third hand, but how I, f- I, f- I forget if it was a, um, a tech corporation or our government or something in order to fix that, just bought a bunch of driver's license pictures from Zimbabwe to better train their facial recognition software. Um, and you know, her reaction was that's not the fix. The fix is just to stop using facial recognition. Software, <laughs> you know? So it's like, there's this problem of, of, um, the tech being biased, you know, the training data being biased versus just the whole concept of using facial rec- recognition software in the first place being the problem in itself. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy how, and again, that's the value of something like the EFF and McSweeney's getting together is because in our space, we just don't have those conversations. And if mm-hmm. we do, we're having them in, in kind of a mocking, like we're, we're post, we're so beyond it. Um, here we are being dragged to these weird hippie conversations of the 1960s. Uh, this is goofy. It's antiquated. It's derivative. You guys give it new breath and life. And I really, really appreciated that because I think as someone, um, I'm as white as you can possibly get. Um, so as someone who is of color, I think they would have a slightly different, assuming they knew, you know, that, that this is even an issue, um, would have a slightly different take on, on the surveillance state. So I can see, and I've had it in my personal life, just talking with people and, and uh, I don't want to, you know, lump all white people together, but talking with them, you know, they're just meh. I mean, yeah, it's a big deal, but I'm, you know, I'm on my iPhone and things are cool or whatever. Whereas, say, a person of color who might have had a slightly different relationship with the state um, over their lifetime, you know, independent of technology, now has to effing deal with technology <laughs> butting in right. on a whole different mm-hmm. level. So that's a yeah. really great angle. Yeah, yeah, definitely a very different um, relationship with the state, and I think that. Uh, something that we wanted to focus on in this collection is the fact that, you know, this isn't new and, and Malkia Sorrell's piece, really wonderful piece, watching a black body um, kind of pulls that out. So, yes. so Malkia is a child of a black Panther who was heavily surveilled over Malkia's childhood. Um, so, you know, their surveillance has been used since the beginning of, you know, time for, for people of color and, you know, the more vulnerable populations of our world and, you know, this is just like the new iteration is pulling in this technology um, that is further allowing, uh, you know, the state to target, you know, people of color and and um, immigrants and all these vulnerable populations. So, it's really yeah, that was something that we, we were really, uh, we wanted to make sure we focused on in this collection. Um, yeah. And yeah, and, and what you're saying about, um, you know, I think that an attitude we... Uh, we encounter a lot when we're talking about surveillance and these issues and definitely one that, you know, before the 18 months ago when we started this collection, I know a lick about any of this. So um, I definitely understand that this, this idea of like, well, I have nothing to hide. So why should I care if they're listening <laughs> in, you know, it's like a really common, that's, I feel like that's yes. how yep. a lot of people feel. And, and that opinion, you know, we encounter that opinion a lot, but um you know, I think what's important to understand is that surveillance is is a collective, um, you know, privacy is a collective right and surveillance is a team sport. And, um, you know, like, I, I think when it really hit home for me is when I understood um, 
for Soraya Kuda's piece about uh, encryption, she talks about um, how, you know, if only the people who have something to hide um, or something to protect or are vulnerable in some ways are using encryption, then it's going to be pretty easy to find them. And, you know, in their communications with other people, if that, if the person they're corresponding with is not using encryption, you know, then all their efforts to maintain their privacy is totally shot. So it's, in order to protect the journalists and, um, you know, the people who are vulnerable in this country, we all need to create that blanket privacy uh, and that blanket shield against surveillance. So that was a really important takeaway for me coming in as a total novice to the surveillance concept. Yeah, it's a, it's a super interesting history. <clears throat> and I'm, um, again, sort of a unicorn in this debate because I, I come from a, a very, very cranky, different perspective worldview-wise. But encryption is, well, cryptography by its, by its very definition is, is, is secrecy and privacy. Um, and it goes way, 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 way back um, to when geez, some of the first ideas of, um, you know, warring tribes or whatever, trying to get their messages to the front lines or whatever, they would shave the head of a surf tattoo a message on his head, let his hair grow back, and he would run uh, in between lines. So it's, it, there's, there's a form of encryption that has been since time, you know, it, it, it's, it's a perennial uh, sort of human trait to try to keep messages and, and communications private. And it doesn't have to be nefarious or weird or creepy. Uh, it's just kind of, you know, you just don't want other people butting in, <clears throat> and especially not those with the power to jail and the power to, uh, to, to coerce. So um, that's uh, just an awesome, awesome, awesome piece as well. Um, do you, now, having looked over and, and sort of, you know, guided this project, it's hard to, you know, they're all your babies and, you know, I love them all equally. <laughs> is there one that you were just like, wow, bang, pow, this is, this is going to clear on the, on the map. This is a great piece that you just love. Yeah, they're all, I love them all. <laughs> Don't you dare ask me that. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think that um, it was really important to us to, like you were saying earlier, to maintain our own um, literary tendencies, you know, like we wanted it to still feel literary and still feel like an issue. I know it's very different than our typical issues, but still feel like an issue of the quarterly. Um, so we do have more, some pieces in there that I think are, you know, like a, uh, Elizabeth Sticks's piece, The Search Queries of Visitors, who landed at the um, online lit mag, um, and the Digital Blues, the Jennifer Cabot piece. Wait, wait the, the, the first one you mentioned, was that the ugly one? Yeah, 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 yeah the okay. one with uh -huh. the search query where she used the Google Analytics to um, see what people had searched into Google to find her <laughs> website. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is just such an intimate, kind of heartbreaking, really poetic look at you know, our relationship with technology. Um, and it brought in these themes of technology, but through a super, you know, a, a very poetic eye. Um, and I think same with Jennifer Cabot's piece, The Digital Blues, which talks about, you know, why so much of our digital space is blue, why so many companies choose to use blue to represent their brands and, and these kinds of things, um, which I also think took like a very narrative, personal yeah. Um, direction and I and I think that those pieces are really important to to anchoring this issue in McSweeney's tradition. Um, yeah, so I think I think they're all I love them all equally. <laughs> I think those are very important in terms of 
keeping this this issue makes we need to ask yeah no it's 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 really really great so um just to kind of finish up because i've taken a, a ton of your time here um, how did you how did you come about uh, McSweeney's? Like, what's your general uh, background uh, as as managing editor? Uh, sure, yeah. So the the very common McSweeney's route is just coming there straight out of school and never leaving. Um, there's uh, <laughs> you know the the intern editorial intern to customer service to you know anything else going on around you in the office is kind of the the classic route. To, nice. a, to a job at McSweeney's. But um, yeah, I, we're a tiny, tiny little operation right now. So we have four, four full staff members about. Okay. Um, so yeah, so we all kind of do a little bit of everything. But, but my, my way in was a very classic route. <laughs> <laughs> and McSweeney's is in a transitional phase from what I've been able to read. Um, you guys are going from the profit uh, model to nonprofit. Um, is that yeah. still underway? Or mm -hmm. yeah, so for a couple of years we've been a fiscally sponsored project of a nonprofit, uh, and and soon I believe in twenty nineteen. Don't quote me. We're going to be a, a full <laughs> on nonprofit. Um, so we just get to drop all those wordy precursors to the to the thing and just get to be our own nonprofit. Yeah. So that's going to be, I think really important for us. Publishing is a hard road to hoe right now. We're doing, we're doing everything we can to keep putting work out that we're proud of. And, and you guys are what I call slow media, um, slow press. Um, the, the quarterly obviously comes out every uh, three months or so. It is for listeners who are unfamiliar, they, they, just do these incredible presentations. So like each, um, uh, I guess issue is, is it's not like a magazine in the way that maybe some people might, um, have, uh, have an idea of it's more, it's an experience. It's an interaction. And so from the way they lay out the text, uh, they're very particular about, uh, photography and art and design. And it's, it really is, it's an experience. I know that's a bit of a cliche, but it, it is, it, it really is. And uh, I, I love the, the slowness of it, the bigness of it. Um, I remember seeing a, a bookshelf one time when someone had a collection of them going years back. Not one looked like the other. You know, they're mm -hmm. like big and bulky or small or, you know, kind of weird and quirky. And, um, so I love that. It, how important is it to go nonprofit to kind of keep something like that alive? Yeah, it's definitely um, really important. I think a large reason why we chose to go nonprofit is because we, you know, we didn't want to sacrifice that, those ethos and, and this idea of, um, you know, really focusing on the package in which literature is found and, and just an emphasis on delighting and surprising. And like the issue before this one, we published stories on party balloons they have to blow up to read. Um, <laughs> which was, you know, took a lot of time to figure out how to do that. It was expensive and we don't want to stop, you know, surprising ourselves and our readers and stop, um, focusing on the physicality of the thing. And I got a shout out Sandra Thompson, who's the art director and designed this book and, um, so many others and the, the balloonish and all that. Um, so it's, I think it's that, very, very handsome. Thank you. I've, yeah. you, I've heard that word used for this already before. Oh, damn it. I'm, to, I'm with, a, with a literary person. I'm trying to read <laughs> my, 
<laughs> no, you're just you're my space. <laughs> you're tuning in. You're tuning into the collective. <laughs> there it is. Uh, signal versus the noise. Um, so the issue has actually sold out. I saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we sold out. We're going into our second printing right now. So um, it'll be back in stock in January, but we're taking pre-orders for it right now. Okay. And where should people find your work? Um, find uh, more. Uh, well, actually, too, um, I've, I wanted to ask you just real quickly about uh, EFF putting this into the, to the Creative Commons. Yeah. Um, so that was something that EFF brought to us and asked if we would be open to doing. Um, and we, you know, we've never considered doing anything like that before. But um, I'm super glad that we did. It was important to them, and and we understood that it was important to, um, you know, put our money where our mouth is on this issue. Right. And and um, it has been received uh, really well. And I think it's been able to have a much wider reach. And it's definitely in no way affected sales. So that's um, interesting. So love it. Or maybe there's just a larger audience for this kind of um, nonfiction piece, but it, but it, it has ended up being a decision we're all super happy about. That's, so yeah, that's you really can great. download it on EFS website. Yep, exactly. And uh, I wasn't sure if you wanted me to say that. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. No, totally. <laughs> <clears throat> but um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a fantastic way to get into, again, it shows the literacy behind the project in, in terms of tech and tech people, we're all, not all of us, but uh, a great number of us are very much open source. Uh, we want to, you know, we'll support the project. There's an extremely generous community, and they love to support the projects, or any project really, monetarily, but they also kind of like that the ethos is open, and uh, anarchic is not really the right word, but that's the only one I can think of right now, mm-hmm. um, where you can just, everybody can get it and get a chance to look at it, and I think what a lot of businesses um, who kind of see maybe free marketism or capitalism as kind of a, um, a caricature or sort of this cartoonish, you know, the guy with the, too much product in his hair who's spouting cliches about greed. What mm-hmm. it really is, is this openness to, it, so if, not, if, if people aren't going to see your work, then kind of what is the point? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like to get it out there and then it sort of, I think it feeds sales because more people are talking about it. And anyway, at least that's the theory. So I'm glad that it's working out in your guys' case as well. So that's yeah, it's been great. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. Well, I cannot thank you enough for coming on. That was very, very nice of you. Um, it was uh, kind of a chore to get you, actually, because <laughs> I had to go through about like 10 different people. What wow, that's this? surprising. <laughs> <laughs> Considering there's only four of us. Someone was, someone was using an alternate, an alternate name. <laughs> But uh, check out their, their um, McSweeney's.net, which is uh, a really cool uh, portal for, like I say, The Onion, but really done literary and, and beautiful and the presentation. It's very, very well thought out and it'll make you, make you laugh and think and obviously pick up The End of Trust. Or is that, it's The End of Trust, is that right? The End of Trust, yeah. yeah. Buy a quarterly subscription. Check yeah, out The End of Trust. And, and the quarterly subscription, the, the one thing you cannot say about McSweeney's is they jip you. Like, you can't say, nah, I put down $100. So every quarter you're going to get something, you go, wow, what the hell is this? <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Thanks again Thank for coming you. on. I really, really yeah, appreciate it, Claire. Of course. It was great talking to you. Yeah.